What's up, Celebration Youth? Hey, uh, my name's Josh. I know what you're thinking. Hey, why are all these people here? Because all these people have something good to say. The, the climate of today's culture is crazy right now. And so what I wanted to do and what we all felt together, really the Holy Spirit speak to us and, hey, we need to talk about the situation that's going on in our everyday life, and that's racism in America. Not only do I have friends up here, I feel like I have family and that you have some family up here that could speak in the situations that, man, what is going on? And, and some of the lies that we believe is that racism doesn't exist anymore, right? Well, we can all four agree that that's not true. Like, it's just not true at all. So I have the honor and privilege to kind of lead this conversation, but also ask my friends and family, like brothers and sisters, what it's like... Um, to be in the black community right now, what, what it's been like, and, and some things of just to really teach us and educate us, because um, I feel like a lot of us, we want to help, we want to use our voice, but we don't know what to do. So yes, this is a teaching, educational, but also like what does the Bible say about all this stuff? So um, I want to start off with a question with just kind of this observation I have with anytime I watch like a, a natural disaster on the news, I always have this thought like, when a hurricane or a tornado happens and then the news goes back to that same location and they see the disaster and they see like a homeowner picking up pieces of their house and like finding clothes, I always think, what is that person feeling right now? And so I want to ask you two guys, uh, Hakeem and Danira, what are y'all feeling right now? With all the things on Instagram and all the things on the news, what are y'all feeling right now? I've been doing research on this thing called compassion fatigue. And basically it's like when you've been through like so much, like not like trauma, but kind of like trauma. And you've seen like so many people die over the course of the last few years. You just, you just get tired. Like your soul, your soul is just grieved. You just kind of become numb to like everything that's going on. And so it's really tough. Cause whenever I see like another black person die, I have to push myself to go through those emotions again and it's really tough so I'm feeling all the emotions I'm sad I'm upset I'm angry you know all those kinds of things it's been a confusing week um, definitely having those feelings of uh, being sad uh, wondering when situations like this are going to end um, having those feelings of once again being mad and upset with why people can't see things and understand you know you know, there's a video out and people still kind of choose to see things one-sided wise with this with this only specific situation. But kind of like Daenerys said, you, you kind of become desensitized to it a little bit too because you see so many times the same situation happening over again and you kind of start to go through the Rolodex of, okay, did he do this, this, and this? Did he do everything right um, to make sure that he didn't get in the position that he did, which, you know, is completely unfair we shouldn't be doing that it's a human life like we shouldn't have to say did they do this this and this uh to be alive but angry frustrated sad uh super emotional but also um a little bit of hope as well just seeing everyone band together we had a peaceful protest on tuesday and just seeing people that didn't just look like me but looked like you and looked like dylan uh, all coming together for this one cause so also a little bit of hope this next question, uh, I feel like it's fitting for me to ask, obviously, because I'm white, I'm, I'm not going to beat around the bush. But th the next question is, man, what has been your experience with racism? And here's kind of why, like, I wanted to ask that. Like you said, there are certain things that, that white people don't understand. And not that that's entirely a bad thing, but, like, at the end of the day, there are things that we don't understand because we are white and we live in America and there are certain privileges 
that come with that. And so, man, I just kind of want to hear from you guys, your personal experience, like what, what experiences with racism have you personally dealt with in your life? If you feel like sharing, I know that can be kind of a not easy thing to talk about from personal story, but if you, if you would like to kind of just wanted to ask that. I live kind of a sheltered life, to be honest with you. Like, as a kid, uh, my parents really didn't let me get out of arm's reach. I still, to this very day, have never slept over at anyone else's house. My parents <laughs> did not think that was okay. So, I mean, in terms of being in an environment where I'm not with my parents growing up as a child, it, it wasn't heavy. But where I kind of saw it at, and as I kind of think back to it over the years as I grow older, is it, it just kind of with my schoolmates, my classmates, the jokes and the underhanded comments. Yeah. And, like, you... You, you kind of, once again, become desensitized to it because you're like, no, 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 like, these people are my friends. Like, why would they say something like that? They didn't mean it. It was a joke. Yeah, from that aspect, just it's been more of, you know, joking-wise and, and things in the, of that nature. I will tell you, with everything that goes on in the in this country and, and all the, the people that have been killed, I am very cautious with the things that I do and very cautious with the, the places that I go at what point, you know. I, I was at a park recently with a friend and I needed to use the bathroom and I thought I might see a bathroom but then I also saw a police car and I was like, I, I can hold it. And it's unfortunate that I kind of have to, have to think that way but, you know, the, the older you kind of grow up, the more you, you your eyes become open to it because I, I grew up in some some settings, in a more white setting, I've always had in a been in a two parent household, so I've always had people there to support me. And I had, you know, I don't know too many kids that care about education, but my parents always pushed me to get education. They pushed me um, to realize and understand what it's like to be black and and having to to earn and feel like you have to work harder for the things that you have to work for. So. I've always carried that with me, and I've always tried to be, you know, careful with the things that I say and the things that I do. So that's always been an Im impact in me. I think the first time that I've experienced racism was when I moved from Jacksonville from Delaware, which was a big culture shock because where my, where my parents and I lived at in Delaware, like, it was two blocks away from, like, the inner city. So my school was predominantly um, black and Hispanic and maybe two white people, so I didn't... I didn't really grow up with that many white people. And then when we moved to Jacksonville and we started living in the suburbs, like I, there was just tons of white people, which was great. Cause I was like, okay, this is cool. All right, ever. Um, so like my school was predominantly white. There wasn't really a lot of black people. I was like the only black girl in my class, which I was like, okay, whatever, it's fine. Um, but there was one instance where this boy in my neighborhood that I would play with, I don't know what, I don't remember what happened, but we started arguing on the bus and then he caught me the n-word and I was just like okay no one's ever called me that before <laughs> so I waited till I got off the bus I did beat him up um <laughs> really rightfully, really badly so. sorry didn't. I'm not supporting violence but I was just like yeah you're not going to talk to me that way so I did beat him up and I told my parents about it and they were just like okay good <laughs> but yeah that was like my first time I was just like whoa like I've never experienced that I didn't think really people would treat me differently my parents have always taught me like you have to work hard because of your skin color like you have to um be twice as good just to get half the credit and all that kind of stuff so I I've known that but like when I was called that I was just like this was a shock and yeah that's one of the craziest things I've experienced I don't know if you feel comfortable with sharing this but you shared a story in our staff 
that I think I, I had no idea. It's kind of a tough story, so it's up to you. We can edit this out if you'd like. But, like, you shared a story, and my eyes were open in such a way that, like, I knew all three people you were talking about, but I did not know that situation. Mm -hmm. And the fact that you still stand up for justice and for to fix this, this issue, this disease, after that situation is mind-blowing to me. Do you mind sharing a little bit about yeah, that? Yeah, I'll share it. Um, so my friends and I were coming back from this conference called ARC, which is basically just a big Christian conference with a um, whole bunch of pastors and leaders. Um, and so we got pulled over in Georgia, which every time I've traveled with my friends and we've gone to Georgia, we've been pulled over. So we got pulled over in Georgia. And so it was like, okay, what's going to happen? Um, but she wasn't speeding. So I was like, I don't know why we're getting pulled over. Like her car is, her car is so jacked up. It's so jacked up. So I was like, I don't understand what's happening. And so he goes up to my friend, is my friend Hannah, Gina. Hannah's white, Gina's black, and then I was in the back. Yeah, the cop pulled, came up to her and was like, um, can you please come out the vehicle for me? And, I was, and we were just like, what's happening? So I'm, I'm calling my dad, I'm like, hey, like we just been pulled over, I just wanna let you know, like, I'm not sure what's gonna happen, I don't know why, what's happening? And he pulled her out the car and he asked her, he was like, so where are you going? And she was like, we're going back home, where are you coming from? We're coming from art conference. And then he was like, how do you know these girls? She was like, they're my roommates. I've known them for a long time. He was like, do you feel safe with them? And it was just like, what? Like, he was like, and she was like, can I ask you why you're pulling this over? And he was like, well, you fit the description of smuggling drugs. I'm like, we were 20 year old girls. <laughs> like, who was smuggling drugs? Like, and I was like, no way. And so he also asked for Gina and I's ID, which I, I didn't want to give it to him because it's my right not to give it to him because I'm not driving. Like, there's no need for you to give my ID. But I, I submitted in that moment because I didn't want it to be like, oh, she's resisting arrest, and it explodes into now I'm another hashtag. So that moment was definitely eye-opening and a little traumatizing. Yeah, it's just another day of being black in America. The fact that they the police officer asked you that question. Or do you feel safe with your best friends? Yeah. Like, that's crazy. You know, I, I don't know. That's just... So let me ask you the, the big question. And it's, it's, it sucks that we have to talk, like, ask, you know, this question. But why is racism wrong? I would say that racism wrong is wrong. Well, one is a sin. Um, God sent Jesus down. Um, for us so that we could all essentially be a family. Like we're all supposed to be united. We're all supposed to be one. Um, and actually in John 17, um, 21, this is Jesus praying for us. He says, Father, I pray that they can be one. As you are in me and I am in you, I pray that they also can be one in us. Then the world will believe that you sent me. I've given these people the glory that you gave me so that they can be one just as you and I are one. And he says one six times in this scripture. And I, that is the goal. Like God wants us to, we are supposed to be a family. We're supposed to love one another yeah. as Christ followers. And we're supposed to be a demonstration as we're um, going out to the world and we're discussing, um, proclaiming his name. So if he sees, if the world sees that there's divisiveness within our community, then they know that we can't essentially really stand on anything. Piggybacking off everything Daenerys said, wish I brought my iPad, you know, <laughs> so I had all my notes. Um, but yeah, I mean, Jesus taught a better way of life. Um, we see him, you know, 
heal lepers. We see him in, in situations, uh, see the faith of a centurion, people who aren't just Jewish. Um, we've seen him talk to a woman at a well in that interaction uh, with the Samaritan woman. She's not only a woman who is marginalized in that time, but she's some, like they are two separate races that aren't supposed to have dealings with each other. Like they aren't supposed to love each other. They're not supposed to talk to each other. They're not supposed to interact. And in that situation right there, Jesus breaks the mold to say, it doesn't matter what you look like. It doesn't matter what race you come from. It doesn't matter what economic background you come from, but that he has come for all of us. Like he loves all of us. God has created all of us equally. He loves us all equally. So when we choose or a friend chooses or whoever chooses to say that I am in some way, shape or form better than you, um, not only because of who you are, but be because of your skin color. Yeah. That is so like that is so anti what Jesus was about. That's so anti yeah. what the gospel is. It says God so loved the world that he sent his only son to die for it. The entire world. He didn't say God so loved white people. God so loved black people. God so loved Asian people. God so loved Indian people. He said he loved the world. So yeah. he made us the way that he made us for a specific purpose and for a specific plan. And like Danera said, we need to get to a point where we're just all one. Like, the, like that is the goal. That is the, that is, there's no other way. It's one church with a cornerstone Jesus, so. Mm -hmm. Okay, so you brought up something like until we're one, until we're all equal, right? This is what's so frustrating when someone says that all lives matter, right? And, and, and we've seen it on Instagram. You've seen it, like, whether you agree or disagree. Here's how you should, why you should disagree at something, especially as a Jesus follower. Because when we say all lives matter, we're making a statement that, is, that there's, it, there's, no, there's no truth behind it. Because if all lives matter, that means all lives are treated equal, all ethnicities are treated, all races are treated equal, which obviously, obviously is not the case. And it's, um, and I love that you pointed that out, this, this word equal is such a, a word that's like, you could say the word, but that doesn't make it true. You could say that all lives matter, that doesn't actually mean that people believe that. When you get offended by someone saying black lives matter, before you grab and take hold of that offense, why don't you wrestle with it a little bit on saying, why am I actually offended at that? All, all lives should matter. But in this climate, in 2020, it's obvious that they don't. Yeah. Does that make sense? Yeah. Let me say this. Uh, it's not just like, okay, you know, they're black, but when people are prejudiced and they profile you. So like if there's a certain hairstyle that you have, like obviously I don't, you know, I'm not rocking any dreads, but some people look at guys who have dreads and or, or braids or tattoos and they're automatically considered a a criminal. You know, that like that is the presumption about them, right? So just getting to the point where we're not just assuming that. Like yeah. Like the last thing that we need to do is just assume a person is a certain way is the reason why we've kind of gotten to this point with both sides assuming uh, with one side assuming that, you know, all cops are bad and another side assuming, you know, all, like all protesters are rioters or looters and it, it's toxic to the world. And, and when we try to live in a world of absolutes and our prejudice and our stereotypes that that only tears us apart even more. In a verse that um, just piggyback on why racism is wrong, James 2, uh, 9, 
It says, but when you show prejudice, you commit a sin. You violate this royal law of love. And regardless if you're a Jesus follower or not, I think the word love is like, that's a positive thing, right? Yeah. As soon as we show prejudice or racism towards a race that isn't, isn't mine, know that we've violated this thing called love. Yeah. Now, before we, before we get into this next question, which I, I think we're about to transition into the, the kind of the application, where do we go from here? Where do we move from here? And we've talked about, you know, um, you guys' experience with racism and, and all these different things, but with the all lives matter versus black lives matter, one thing that really helped me understand it more because I am white and, and I won't lie when, when the black lives matter, uh, movement came out, was it 2016 mm -hmm. around that time? Um, I honestly was like, uh, I don't know about that. Like I wasn't sure, you know, I'm, I'm there now. I get it now, but it took me a little while because I, I'm not black and I haven't experienced those things. Somebody explained it in a way to me and hopefully this helps you. And this is kind of why I'm bringing it up is because a lot of people, when they hear it, they do get offended. Like, like you said, Josh, and, and they're kind of like, I don't know how I feel about that. Well, here's the thing with, with Black Lives Matter. It doesn't mean that nobody else's lives, life matters. It doesn't mean that black lives are, are more important than anybody else's life. What it means is, A, we can't get to all lives matter until black lives matter, right? Yeah, that's good. And uh, as a dad, somebody told me this analogy. Um, I think it was Pastor Judah Smith, actually. He, he, he mentioned it. He said, man, I, I, have, I have three kids. And if one of my, my one of my kids are in a, a painful place, if one of my kids are being hurt or something's happening to them, where's the first place I'm going to go? I'm going to go to him. Mm -hmm. It doesn't mean that I love him any more than the other two. It doesn't mean that the other two aren't important. It just means, man, my focus and energy and resource needs to be where the hurt and the pain is right now. And so, man, when we say black lives matter, it's because attention needs to be brought to this part. That this like as as let me just speak for white people we can no longer just act like it's not happening because when you're white you can you can just turn kind of just be like oh, i can just go live my life and not worry about it because it doesn't affect us what we need to do is we need to stand with our brothers and sisters and and help the cause and and be a voice and be part of the the act man that that helps level the playing field so that we can get to all lives matter and it is equal but man this this next question i feel like is is super important is how if, if i'm a student and i'm watching this or i'm a student and i'm i'm trying to like i want to do something uh about this going on how can i actively fight racism obviously unless you're already 18 you you can't vote you know uh there's been a lot of there's been a lot of stuff out there that's like hey man let's 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 go to the voting polls and and put you know different people in charge that can make change so where do we go from here you know, where, where, what do we what do we do if, if we're a student and we're we can't vote yet? I would not advise students to go out to any protests without the without the consent of their parent. Um, Smart man. So please don't say that celebration. You told you to do that because we didn't. <laughs> um, <laughs> I would say this. We need to start having conversations and having empathy towards people. So when we see our black friends hurting, uh, and if you don't know what they're going through because you are white or whatever, you know, ethnicity you are, yeah. you need to politely have a conversation with them. Like, hey, preface it. Hey, man, I, like, I love you. I, I'm standing with you. I don't really know how to feel about this. Yeah. 
because I don't see this from your perspective. And hopefully those people, uh, those, those, those friends would be able to have a civil conversation with you about how they feel. Yeah. And, and, uh, and just bring up, not just how they feel, but the stats of it all. And, and just bring it up the, you know, hey, this is what my life has been like for X amount of years versus yours, you know, and educating yourself with, you know, now more than ever. And I know you're on social media. Uh, there's, there's so many resources. There's so many books. Read a book that, you know, talk to this issue and speak to this issue. Uh, so there's just ways that you can educate yourself and, and have those conversations with you, your family as well. Yeah. I agree as well. I think we have to have those conversations so you can learn from other people because if you don't learn from them, you can't have empathy or compassion for them. It's just not going to happen if you don't learn from them. So listen to them, um, be slow to speak, but also ask critical questions that you may have. Um, and there's this one book that I'm reading right now, and it is so good. It's called The Myth of Equality by Ken Witzma. I think that's what it's called. Um, that's his last name, but it is such a good book. It is such a good book. So um, that's an amazing resource to look at, too. But there's tons of documentaries on Netflix that um, deal with, like, the race racism that has happened since um, black people have been brought over here. So being resourceful, reaching out to leaders. If you have any questions, like we're yeah. all here for you. Um, if you have any questions, it's a safe place, the process, all that kind of stuff. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I think that's a great starting place. Dylan, I have a question to ask you. So if, if I'm white and I'm asking my black friends like, hey, help me understand these things. And my friends, and I find out all these resources and I kind of like, I start feeling this, feeling this thing called like guilty even though I've not, I haven't done anything wrong, but I feel guilty and I'm like, man, I don't, I'm so sorry. Like I, I didn't mean to like, I, I didn't do that. I just want to tell you like, Hey, I'm not racist. Like, you know, you have this, what do you, like, how do you fight that feeling and what do you do with that feeling when it rises up in you? Yeah, that's a, that's a great question. Cause I think that, I mean, that is a very real thing that you, you probably, um, just you're human if you feel that and you're, you're on the right you're on the right track, but I, I think um, I think the key thing is is to understand that yes, we physically didn't contribute to it getting to this point. We have all been born into the system, right? Uh, I didn't ask to be white. You didn't ask to be black. You didn't ask to be Asian, and so we are all treated differently based on the system that we were born into. And so to feel guilty or to feel shame, um, don't feel that. Shift that into all right, how can I do better as a white person in this in the community that I live in, in the with the people that I'm around? How 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 can I shift this? How can I, when you have those conversations or you're seeing these, you're watching these documentaries, or you're reading these books, and you start feeling a type of way, I hope that it brings you to a place where you're like, okay, it's now my responsibility to be part of the change. It's now my responsibility to help shift the narrative and to have more conversations and to make sure that, man, uh, like I said, we, we were all kind of born into the system and, and we were taught things um, about other races, whether it be directly to our face from um, family members or teachers or other people on social media or whatever the case may be, man. The number one thing that you have to do to get the ball rolling is you have to search your own heart and look for those biases. When I see a black person, am I profiling them? subconsciously is it just is it an automatic trigger 
Because if so, man, that's where you have to start. Yeah. That's where you have to start. It's going to start in your own heart. And man, like, don't try to do it on your own willpower, but pray. Like, yeah. pray. Like, God, I, I don't want to have these thoughts about black people just because they're black. They're, they're humans. You made them. Like, help me to have genuine love for them like I would anybody else, right? Mm -hmm. And so I, I think for me, that's honestly where I had to start. Yeah. Was just like, okay, my wife's not white. And so like I'm but I'm not gonna be that guy that's like, hey man, I I got black friends, so I'm not racist. Like we all have biases in our hearts if we if we sit down and we're honest with ourselves, we all have things that people have taught us to profile certain people by by the way they look, the way they act, or whatever the case may be, man, start there. Don't feel bad, don't feel guilty. You didn't physically get us to this place, but you can be part of the change. And if you feel guilty and you feel ashamed, you're just gonna stay stuck and that's not gonna help. I have a tag along question too, um, for you two, really. So how would you encourage um, our students that are of color to educate people that don't look like them? My reaction is like, I'm, I'm angry right now. Yeah. How, you can't educate and argue at the same time. So how, do you, how would you encourage our students of color to educate people that don't understand? Well, first pray <laughs> before you start educating because there's a lot of emotions going on right now. And so um, there's just some friendships you just don't want to end because of a miscommunication or an error. So first and foremost, pray that God will just calm you down and soften your heart. And then two, I would just say um, just to make sure that you're you're encouraging them, but um, just showing them the truth. Like, do not back away from the truth of what's going on because, I mean, the truth needs to be presented. And I feel like the truth has been um, suppressed for so long. Just making sure that you're just showing them the way you're sending them resources. And if they're asking questions to be patient, um, I know it's not easy to be patient with, I mean, some of the questions, I don't know what could come up that people may ask, but just making sure you're enforcing like patience and um, showing them the resources and emphasizing on like your experience with it so people can understand where you're coming from as well. Yeah, it's gonna take a lot of patience, for sure. Yeah. Uh, a, lot of, a lot of prayer and a lot of just emu emulating Jesus. Racism is a sin. Which makes us, you know, and we, you talked about us all having prejudices, which makes us sinners. But what I love about Jesus is you see him a lot of times sit down and eat with sinners. And, and while the religious leaders say, why, like, why is your teacher, why is your leader eating with those people? He's supposed to be hanging with us. So what Jesus models for us is that he walks alongside of people um, through their sin and their pain. He doesn't, he doesn't, you know, sugarcoat it. He tells them to repent. Um, so that's where you, you talk about the fact that, hey, this is a very real situation. But also knowing and realizing that this is a conversation that's going to continue and needs to be continue happening. Like if you, if you think that you're going to have one conversation, whether it's your black or your white friend, if you, if you think either of you are just going to have one conversation and the whole thing's going to change, um, you're sadly mistaken. You, what you are undoing is... You know, we're all in high school, so what you're high school, middle school, you're undoing uh, a, a decade plus of what you've seen, what you've heard, what you've regurgitated. So it's gonna take, it's gonna be a process. But but the thing, good thing about God is that He never leaves us, He never forsakes us, yeah. and that He continues to walk alongside of us when we we sin and we mess up. 
I, and if we model that same way, I think you can see change. Like, you know, when you're, when you're, when your friends have questions that make you want to punch them in the face, like yeah, for sure. I'm sorry, man. breathe in, breathe out. <laughs> And, and keep going, keep walking with them. Because uh, the very fact that they ask that question, it, it means that they want to learn. And it means that they want to change. The people that just want to yell at you, they don't want to change. Um, and pray for them as well. Pray that God would change their heart and just open them to a conversation. Uh, but the fact that they're there means that they care and you should you should care. Yeah, dude, I think you nailed it. It's no different, like like you said, moving the ball forward. It's like you can't finish a race if if you stop running. Like you, you, this is a journey. This is a daily thing that we have with our friends, families, and even people from a distance that we don't know. I, I do want to ask a question. Like, how can I learn from people who have been a victim of racism? And we kind of talked about some ways just then. How can I learn from someone who's experienced pain in their life, who's experienced you can't sit there. That's not where y you sit. Like those kind of experiences, like how can I learn from my brothers and sisters? I think the first thing is is realizing that it happens. I think we deny it and we deny it and because of the feelings of, you know, like I don't want to feel bad. Like I didn't, like I didn't do this. The first thing, the first thing is, uh, is like, hey, I didn't, like I had nothing to do with racism, man. I'm sorry. Like I didn't, oh, yeah. so, you know, it, the first thing is to deny that it happens, but instead of denying it and embracing it, embracing that it did happen and trying to continue to move forward from it, like 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 Dylan said. Besides, like I said, just continuing to, to kind of educate yourself and, and giving people the benefit of the doubt, you know? There it is. Uh, when it comes to situations, hey, I didn't feel, I didn't feel very comfortable in that situation. Uh, instead of uh, just saying that people are just choosing to be victims. Give them the give them the benefit of the doubt that you know that person and that you know their heart and that you love them. Yeah, I would say to um, listen, which I kind of mentioned earlier. Earlier, but like listening will give you a greater context of to what's going on and what's happening um, right now in this climate. And it's through listening that you can okay. I can now start being an advocate and I can start telling my parents what my friends are going through and the things that they've been through. And then before you know it, you could possibly see change within your family um, because you're sticking up for your friends. So I think that's a great way. Um, but I like, I love this verse in Romans 12, 15. It says, rejoice with those who rejoice and weep with those who weep. So it's really just coming alongside your friends and if they're crying, then you're leaning next to them and you're listening to them and you're crying with them too. If you're happy with them, then you be happy with them. Like it's, it's being a good, genuine friend. You said listening, like truly listening to people. And there is a huge difference between hearing someone and listening to someone. Like when we were in the peaceful protest, I could hear people yelling, but if I listen to them, I can actually hear the words they're, they're yelling. And so there's such a difference where I can, I can, if someone's talking to me, like if you're talking to me, I can hear what you're saying, but I'm not focused on you. I'm not trying to say like, what's your heart behind it? But if I'm listening to you, I have, I put aside all other distractions. I give you the benefit of the doubt, like you said, and I'm hearing you and I'm putting as much as I can myself into your shoes. Um, and I think that's what we have to do, especially you students out there with public or private school. Like we're, we're all going to school. Lord willing, we'll go to school one day. Um, but, but even everyday life, like going to the grocery store, getting gas, we're experiencing different 
races at all times. I have to be so focused in. When you're wanting to learn about racism in, in, in 2020 or in this life, you got to put all distractions. If you really want to make a difference, you got to focus on what the problem is first. What do I do? And this even even students, what do students do if one of our friends, if we're hanging out and, and one of our friends makes a racist joke, what should we do in that situation? Yeah, um, I think you just shut it down immediately. Um, say, hey, yo, this is this is not right. That's not how we talk about people. You know that we're supposed to love one another and be kind and genuine to one another. And that's not how we talk or treat people. Now, I know that may ruffle some feathers and it may even create some distance in the friendship but at least you're standing and sticking up for someone even though it feels uncomfortable I know it can be frightening to stand up from others when you may not know what to do or how people are going to react and yeah. they may start bullying you now because you stuck up from them but you're doing a great job um, and Jesus is with you through it all yeah yeah you've got to stand on your convictions yeah. um, if you're a Jesus follower all people should be treated equally and no one should be ridiculed or no one should be allowed to be the butt of the joke because of their skin color or whatever racist stereotype that is is out there and you need to call it out like Denira said and i love in galatians there's a part in, where paul talks about calling out peter for treating the gentiles differently like when he's around other jews he's like when when he's just with the gentiles they're boys but when they're around other jews peter shuns them and Paul basically just says, like, that's not, he calls him out in front of everybody. And he's like, that's not what he's supposed to do, especially, especially since in, the, in Acts, Peter is the one who gets the vision uh, to go to a man who isn't a Jew. And he's the first man to, you know, receive the gospel. And Peter says, hey, like, clearly this story is not just for Jews, but the story is for everyone. So you need to, you need to stand up for your convictions as a Jesus follower, what is right, because there is a right and a wrong. And like you said, there's going to be tough situations that you have to go through, but you would rather be with Jesus in the way that he wants you to live life than to be with people who are racist and people who are prejudiced and people who, like, those are just not the kind of people you want to be around. And I can tell you that firsthand because I've heard all the jokes, like, and because I wasn't growing up in a situation where uh, it was schools where it was predominantly black people, and honestly, there were some points where I went to schools where I, like, it was probably a handful of black kids in my grade. So when I heard these things, it, it was kind of like, I'm just gonna, you know, it's what it, it is, what it is. I'm gonna shut up, like, especially when you're hearing these things from people who are on, like, on the same sports teams as you. Like you're playing football with these people. Like you're you're lifting weights in the off season with these people, and you don't want to ruffle feathers. But you know, but that's how you cut everything off at the top. So you yeah. cut that like you you cut that off now, and you stand for that. Um, it only gets easier as it goes on in your life. You only help the issue, help bring the issue down. I guess. But yeah. I think what you will find is you you guys both mentioned like it's it's going to be hard. Like it's not going to be easy to do, but one thing I know is, man, people who stand up and they stand on their convictions and they're strong in what they believe in, man, it, it may take a while, but eventually people will respect you. Yeah. Eventually people will, even though they don't entirely agree with you, they will respect you. And maybe even down the road, they'll be like, man, you were right, like 100%.
And so we'll just kind of uh, end the conversation here. But the reason why we had this conversation is that the conversation will continue at your homes, in your families, in your schools, in your friendship circles, and your social media posts. And, and, he, and here's the last thing I'll say as far as this goes. Don't just talk about it, but be about it. Posting a black square on a Tuesday means absolutely nothing if you don't, like, if, you're, if that's your contribution of, like, Black Lives Matter, hashtag, here's a black square, cool. And then I'm going to archive it because I love the way my feed looks. We can't be Peters where I'm, I'm best friends with Jesus, but then I get around a certain people and then I'm like, I don't know who you're talking about. I didn't hang out with him. Yeah. Like, I stand with my brothers and sisters no matter what through thick and thin. And that's what Jesus shows through his whole life. And if you call yourself a Jesus follower, you gotta be about it. Here's some practical ways on um, what you can do. Like, all right, cool. I learned a lot. What can I do now? Here's some practical things that we can, um, that you can do. Shut down and address racial jokes. We just talked about that. Search your own heart for biases that you may have. And if you find them there, it's only wrong if you keep them there. It's only like it's now it becomes a sin that you know about if you're like, no, that's just who I am. But that's not who Jesus is. We must pray about this as much as we post and protest. If you don't understand the power of prayer, start doing it. And you will quickly realize that, okay, Jesus actually hears me. Okay, there's actually power. Change can come about when I pray for this issue. Stay open-minded. Don't get defensive. Stay open-minded. Um, and, and Dylan, you even shared your own, your own heart about this. Like, when I saw that Black Lives Matter, I'm like, yeah, hold on. Stay open-minded. People are hurting right now. And when people hurt, things aren't, like the reactions to it, instead of judging reactions, why don't we treat it with empathy? I, got, I had a conversation with someone who I desperately love in my life. And they're like, I understand that that was wrong that that man died, but do you have to vandalize? And my reaction was, do you have to say rude comments like that? Instead of judging, what did Jesus do? He sat down. He listened. Before he said, well, before you got to do this, like he sat down, the woman that everyone was about to stone, and he listened. If we could mimic that, even though we might not understand, let's sit down and let's listen. Before you go into defense mode, show empathy. I just talked about that. If you don't know something, ask questions. Ask questions. If you think your question is going to, is like not, <laughs> you know what I'm <laughs> Hey man, this might come off a little bit. Ah. Yeah, put, a, put some buffer between it like, Hey, I apologize if this is, sounds ignorant, but I, I do not mean it that way. Like, set it up. Like, if you don't know, set it up. But also, like, look, talk to people in your circle first before you just act like, hey, man, I know you're black. You're at a gas station. You're pumping gas. I'm pumping gas. What do you think? Like, <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, <laughs> like, talk to people that are, like, in your circle. And if there's people not in your circle, come to us. We all look different. Ask us questions. And the last one is be an ally and an advocate. More than a friend, be an ally. Be an advocate. 
be a voice for people's voices that haven't been heard. Yeah. Um, and a great website is bethebridge.com. And, uh, and we're going to be posting resources. You're like, well, Josh, I, I want to learn more. I love what Denier said. I love what Hakeem said. I love what Dylan said. What do I do now? We talked about a couple things. Rewatch this. Here's the great thing. The fact that we recorded this, you can watch this again. And better yet, you can share this with your friends and family. With your friends and family. You don't want to have the conversation? Don't worry. We just did it for you. Send it to your friends. Put it on your story. Um, I, I believe that this, more people need to be educated about this. Yeah. We love you guys so much. And uh, if you have any questions, DM us. If you want to know more, our Instagram handles will be at the bottom. Like, uh, ask us questions. We're here to help you and not just help you, but walk with you. Yeah. We love you guys so much. Um, other than that, we'll see you soon.